Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thanks for tuning in here with us again this week, guys. Uh, another busy week in college football, all sorts of stuff going on. We are here to tell you what you need to be paying attention to and what you don't. Um, we're going to follow a very similar format that we did last week, just trying to cover the week from all angles. We've got two weeks of data now. We think maybe we know a little more than we did this time last week. Maybe not. We'll let you guys be the judge of that. Um, Colin, you ready to just hop right into this thing? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Before we start, guys, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of those on one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the weekly Friday drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points media group. All right. So like we did last week, Colin, we're going to do a little bit of a week in review here to start off, pick a couple games that we think are especially fantasy relevant and break down the the happenings. So let's start with probably the biggest game of this past week, Oregon, Ohio State. I think everybody knows uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're <laughs> probably up to date on, on, on some of this stuff. Uh, Oregon upset Ohio State. Um, interesting game all around. I guess we'll start on the OSU side since we care a little more about more of their players. Colin, CJ Stroud puts up a huge fantasy day, about 40 fantasy points in, in your standard quarterback scoring, but Beyond the box score, struggled a little bit again. What are you thinking here with Stroud? Well, I think I think it was you who said it um, on the uh, on coast to coast there. But uh, yeah, I mean it's it's this classic situation where if you just look at the box score, you think CJ Stroud's playing fine. You know he's putting up big numbers. Um, you know he's not really turning the ball over. He did have that one back breaking pick in this one, but. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, he's, the numbers look fine. It's just early on in the games, he's really struggled to get into rhythms. Um, he's, he started off very slow. He starts to pick it up a little bit late, but by that point, you know, it's, they're playing catch up because this run defense is terrible. Um, you know, so that's not doing him any favors. So he has to be good. And he's just, he hasn't been. Um, so it's with, with the, all the amount of talent in the room there. Um, you know, you got to start to wonder what this situation is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, it's really, really bizarre. I mean, the, the line is giving him enough time for the most part. He just looks a little bit rattled and he did settle down a little bit in this game, but he's, he's missing dangerously. I think that's the big worry, you know, when you're missing high or when you're throwing behind receivers that are growing across the middle of the field, those are areas where. It, it's ripe for a pick six or something like that. And that's exactly what happened, especially, you know, they were driving to try to get the game tying score there. He missed a receiver high picked off kind of game over. Um, I still don't think he's really in, in danger of losing that, that starting spot per se. And they have had not the easiest start to the season. I mean, at Minnesota for your first college start and then at, against Oregon, uh, you know, it's tough, tough games there. So we will see, um, I mean, for fantasy, you really like what happened, um, but is it, I, so I think you know for a CFF play, we, we're still happy about that. For a Devi um, play here, though, Colin, has he fallen at all for you in in that class? I mean, beyond DJ and Bryce Young, no one else in that that 
that 2023 class has really stepped up yet. Yeah, that's the thing. Nobody else has really stepped up yet. Um, you know, we can get into it a little bit, but you know, you have guys like Hudson Card. Um, Max Johnson has looked okay. Um, nothing great. Um, but yeah, nobody else has really stepped up yet. So no, he hasn't fallen. Like you said, this was a tough start to the schedule. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass here. Um, and he does start to come around towards the end of the games um, and, and look a little bit better. So I'm still very cautiously optimistic here, but uh, I'm definitely worried. But no, he has not fallen yet. Um, uh, beyond CJ Stroud, you know, looking at some of the weapons there, we, we spoke a little bit last week about how uh, we were figuring this might turn into the Minnesota Vikings offense where you really have two wide receivers and then everybody else kind of obsolete there in the passing game. Uh, JSN said, not so fast this week, my friends. Uh, seven catches, 145 yards, two touchdowns. Really his true breakout game. He had that big touchdown last year. Where, uh, so that was kind of that flash I always talk about. You know, your freshman year, you need one play like that or one game like that. Uh, this, this really his first big performance though just looked really really good all game he looked you know sharp as a route runner was was separating with ease uh giving the oregon defense all sorts of fits um is this something that you think they can maintain moving forward because the, the passing offense has it has volume 54 pass attempts this week yeah i mean 54 pass attempts this week in a game where they were kind of trailing um for a lot of the game so I don't know if we'll see 54 pass attempts every week, but it is still a high volume passing offense. I think that will continue for the most part. Uh, so the volume is going to be there for him. Um, and, and we honestly, we were saying it, it we, we thought he was going to be a part of this offense. We were surprised that he wasn't in week one. Um, so yeah, I think this is absolutely sustainable moving forward. You know, now maybe he doesn't put up 145 yards every week, but you know, I think two he'll be in the two touchdowns though. <laughs> yes. He's good for Okay. Um, yeah, but the uh, five to seven catches a week, I think that's pretty, pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, it's great. You know, some idiot on this show last week said, do not start JSN this week. Um, just, I don't know what <laughs> we, we let these people on this podcast that have no business doing this. Um, <laughs> it might've been me. Okay. Um, the last, the last Ohio state piece here, uh, Travion Henderson. I'm trying not to get too eager on on Travion because I know a coach a coach's view of these things are different than my sort of things where I'm just sitting here going Henderson is clearly the most talented back on the roster like are how dumb are these guys that they don't see it and I can see it and I, but it, you know there there are a lot of things beyond just being a talented runner that go into playtime so I, I'm trying not to get too far ahead of ourselves here but Travion just looked like a better running back on the day 12 carries 54 yards uh touchdown on the ground uh Mayan he he was close to Mayan Williams in terms of touches um he just looks explosive every time he touches the ball how long before Travion takes over or does he take over I don't think it's going to be too long before he takes over but I don't know if he will totally take over uh Mayan Williams Felix's guy has looked good uh, these first two weeks here. So despite Travion being significantly more talented overall, I think um, I don't think Mayan Williams completely goes away. I think the split may flip into Travion's favor, maybe, you know, 60, 40, um, 65, 35. But I think Mayan Williams is going to be a bit of a thorn in Travion owner's sides all year. 
Agree. Um, and uh, for anybody that does not know, I write a, a short article of Fantasy Points every week talking about Monkey Knife Fight. Um, and he was one of the guys that I highlighted. I liked his rushing over. It was like 60-something, and he, he hit the over on that. And I think he'll put in those kind of performances all year. Um, so neither a guy necessarily someone you, you probably want to start on a week-to-week basis. Um, just just annoying enough, as you said there, to uh, um, uh, to make us think about him. The big, the big storyline from this game, I know you, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him later here, Colin, but C.J. Verdell. Uh, I, I talked on coast to coast last week, Minnesota gave the game plan for how to beat Ohio state. It was very apparent. It was just run power straight up the middle against them. They cannot stop the run at all. If you have a running back that can break a tackle, you're going to have a big day against Ohio state. That's just the nature of this beast. Um, and honestly, Minnesota might've beat them if Ibrahim hadn't gone down. So I think Oregon was licking their chops a little bit coming into this game because they can do the same thing. C.J. Verdell is a little more physical of a running back than people want to give him credit for because he's not 235 pounds. Um, but but he packs some power behind those pads, and he had himself a huge day. Um, what are we thinking about C.J. Verdell here, Colin? Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that I'd been highlighting in the offseason as a guy who's going a little bit under the radar, um, kind of fell off of people's radars after last year. He was banged up, but... He's been a very productive running back while at Oregon. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons his freshman and sophomore year. Um, so this isn't really anything that new for C.J. Verdell. Um, you know, he, this is the type of thing he was doing fairly regularly early in his career. Now, granted, 161 yards rushing, two touchdowns, another 34 and, and a touchdown on the on the uh, through the air. That's, there, that's a huge day. But uh, he's a solid receiving back. He said he's pretty physical. He doesn't really have any wow traits, but he's just very solid all around. And Joe Moorhead loves to run the ball. And Joe Moorhead is the type of coach that is going to feature CJ Verdell in a way that's going to be very beneficial for him moving forward. So um, while maybe you can't expect um, almost 200 yards and three touchdowns every week, I think you can expect more really solid performances from CJ Verdell moving forward. Yeah, and he's lucky that they don't really have a quarterback that that you want throwing 50 times a game for 400 yards. You know, Anthony no. Brown is just not that guy. So you figure that'll probably help him from a fantasy uh, per- perspective. Um, day two draft pick. Yeah, year? I mean, I think at this point, yeah, you're, you're probably looking at day two. Now, I don't think he'll crush the combine. Um, so maybe that hurts him a little bit. But I definitely think day two is in the realm of, of uh, possibility there. Because like I said, two very strong years early in his career down year last year. I think he's going to have a really strong year this year. So if he has 3000 yard seasons under his belt. I think the NFL is going to love that despite his athleticism shortcomings, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that there's definitely going to be something there. Stanford at USC. Um, we have, <laughs> it just led to, to all sorts of different things here. Um, USC was never really in this game. You know, no. Stanford was uh, pretty much led from from beginning to end, and and the score got you know pretty far apart there before USC put on a little bit at the end in garbage time. Um, should we should we talk about Clay Helton first? Yeah, we may as well. Okay, yeah. So uh, Clay Helton, as a result, was fired here the day after. Um, will no longer be the head coach. We talked every Debbie college podcast talked all off season about how he was on the hot seat. This was right. not a bold take by anybody 
at all this offseason. It was, it was very apparent if they didn't win nine or ten games, he was gone. And honestly, even that might not have saved his job. They've just really underperformed there. They have not recruited California well. They're losing all the kids from down there to the SEC and to Ohio State and, and to Oregon, which is the extra big kick in the nuts. Um, <laughs> and, and they haven't performed on the field. So, you know, th- those two things together uh, sunk Clay Helton. Should the should the first question be who are they looking to replace him with? They have an interim guy they they brought in. I believe it's their DB coach is going to be uh, running the show. Um, but it's USC. They're they're going to go for a big hire, right? Yeah, you you have to think they're going to go for a big hire. Um, I think that a lot of people are throwing out names like Luke Fickle. Uh, I don't know if Luke Fickle is going to be a West Coast guy. I don't know if he's the type of guy who wants the flash and the you know everything that comes along with USC, although I think he's a great coach. Um, you know, you're, you're going to hear if Harbaugh gets canned, which, I, you know, Michigan's looking at a solid start to the year here. So, that you know, that may not happen um, like some other people were predicting. But if that happened, you know, people would toss his name into the ring. A guy that I'm I think sh- people should keep an eye on here is Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Bill O'Brien has NFL head coach experience, but he also has college head coach experience at a bigger program. And I know you're, you don't always want to give Penn state the credit for it, but they are a bigger program. Um, they're perennially Marshall. uh, They're perennially a top 25 team. And he built that team up from, you know, from some pretty low lows there. Now USC is not that low. Um, but I think Bill O'Brien's going to rehab his value this year. He's already doing it at Alabama. That offense is clicking um, already. So I think Bill O'Brien's a name to keep an eye on because he definitely has head coaching aspirations. And that's the type of job that I think he would go take. Nick Saban's uh, rehab center for for coaches that need a little bit of love um, <laughs> may strike again there. Uh, everyone wants, wants it to be Urban Meyer, who obviously right. just looked completely out of his depth this week that Jacksonville got blown out by Houston. Um, he's said some stupid stuff. He's done some stupid stuff since he's, he's been there. Is there, do you think that's a, in the, in the cards at all? I don't, he's only had, even if this year goes poorly, he's only had one year in the NFL. I don't think the Jags will move on from urban Meyer after one year uh, of that experiment. Um, they've been, they tend to stick with coaches probably a little bit longer than they should. They stuck with Doug Marone for a long time. I think they give him more than one you, year. You pronounce moron wrong there. <laughs> Touche. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I, I don't see him leaving the NFL after just one year, despite how attractive this job may be. Now, if he hadn't gone to Jacksonville, that would be easily the, the, pop popular name for this pick yeah vegas wouldn't be able to put odds on that because they would lose a lot of money um the one thing that i will say about that and i don't think it's like super likely to happen either that he leaves there especially immediately um but what i will say is that i think the usc job is so unique in, in its um you know the size of its prestige and just kind of you know everything surrounding it that that's one of the few jobs that could come open like there notre dame alabama like there aren't that many schools where you can kind of they, he could go and say 
this is just too big of an opportunity. Like I've always loved coaching in college and this is just, you know, a, a dream place to land that you're like, yeah, okay. Like that actually, <laughs> like you, you were doing shitty, but this like, it's not like he's leaving for Kent state. No right. offense to Kent state. Um, <laughs> so that, that is the one thing I will say about that. I think that, that, that softens that, that blow a little bit there. Um, who knows? So beyond the ramifications after the game for the coaching staff. Um, so I actually, I went back and I, so I recorded that game. I, mm-hmm. I was not able to watch it live. I re, I recorded five games. I'm through two of them. And one of them was that USC game. Slovis, he was not great, but he wasn't awful either. Um, his teammates really didn't help him out there a ton. Um, you know, one touchdown, one interception on the night. The interception was a pick six. The pick six probably wasn't necessarily his fault it was a not a great throw it was behind drake london drake london probably should have caught it they're both at fault for it um but you know 27 for 42 223 yards it it was a very up and down uneven performance i don't think you can necessarily move him one it, like if you hated keaton slovis before there are a couple <laughs> throws you can point to and say that's why that's not that's why he's not an nfl quarterback he actually had another near pick six where he tried to throw it opposite hash and the corner jumped it and he was very lucky. Um, and the, but if you're, if you really like Keaton Slovis, you know, there was a drop touch to drive diving touchdown in the end zone. You're going to say Drake London should have caught that ball. So I, I don't know. We can take any real takeaways away from this game for him. Yeah, this isn't a game that I, I didn't watch this one. So um, I, it's one I'll have to go back and watch to double check. But um, yeah, if you, if you box score scout, you know, this game, it definitely does not look good for Slovis. 27 of 42, 223, 5.3 yards per attempt, um, one touchdown, one pick. Um, so not not great there on that front. Um, but I have maintained and I, I'll continue to maintain until proven otherwise that I don't think he's going to be much of anything as an NFL draft prospect. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, my prediction was Clay Helton got fired uh, towards the end of this year, but I thought if they struggled a little bit, then, um, you know, they would, he would try to turn to Jackson dart, um, to right the ship a little bit, uh, was not expecting him to get fired week two after a debilitating loss to Stanford. Um, so I don't know if we'll see dart now at this point, um, cause they don't really have too much of an incentive to play him. Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out the rest of this year. I, I, I truly don't know. Um, the other takeaway that that I was watching this game, you know, Keontae Ingram is what like a post, post, post hype sleeper. It's been a while since he looked really good. He didn't look bad, but I don't think he was not the most effective running back. I thought uh, like him the I'm gonna butcher this Malapai. Uh, the other running back they have there uh it works for I, me sure i i don't really know <laughs> i thought he was more effective at making guys miss creating a little more for himself ingram can make the first guy miss he's just not super creative as a runner like i i struggle to watch him and think that there's any real standout quality to him he couldn't have chosen a worse place to go because they have no idea how to run a rushing offense there um i i i i think if i have him on a c2c roster He's still, we, we talked about this a couple times this offseason. He has name value. I really think you should sell him. He's going to be, you know what? He's going to declare for the draft. He's going to get this, the same trajectory that, that Trey Sermon went on. 
And then we know what happened to Trey Sermon this past week. DNP. Yeah. And and a running back room that's like a bunch of undrafted guys in him, basically. Yeah, I I could definitely see that happening here. I think I th- I'm with you. I would move Keontae Ingram. I don't really see it from a pro perspective, but at the same time, if you're somebody who does see it, this performance isn't really going to change anything for you either. I don't think, I don't think anybody was really expecting uh, Keontae Ingram to have like a phenomenal statistical year this year. Like USC just does not run the ball. Well, they're an air raid offense, so they don't run the ball that often. Um, And, you know, he had, 44 yards on 10 carries, which is fine. He had a touchdown. He got some receiving work, three catches. So that's fine. So I don't think anybody's going to, if you liked Keontae Ingram, it's kind of like Keaton, like you're saying with Keaton Slovis. If you liked Ingram, this isn't going to do anything to change that for you. You didn't like Ingram. Same thing. Probably not going to change anything for you. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that offense here. Um, Cause I, as far as I have heard, they have not fired. Uh, Graham Harrell so probably gonna be business as usual there on that end of things Stanford the only real note I had from them they they were just very opportunistic on the night Mm -hmm. I can't even say that Stanford was great which is probably more embarrassing if you're a USC fan Um, Tanner McKee he's just a really interesting story he was the third over uh, third rated quarterback in his class a few years ago the class with um, with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and those guys uh, went on a mission, uh, I believe it was in Brazil or something like that, came back, sat, sat a year, waited his turn, and now he's the starter at Stanford. 16 for 23 on the night, 234, two touchdowns. Um, watching that game, the only couple of things I really took away, when he has time, he throws a beautiful ball, and he really tries to go deep way off, more, way more often than he should. Um, <laughs> interesting player. I, is, is, he, I, is he a watch list guy for, for C2C purposes or not even that? Yeah, no, I think he's definitely a watch list guy. Um, if you remember back to the Pac-12 show, I put him on the maybe relevance list, um, you know, because I was like, hey, he'll bring a little bit of something with his legs. Uh, he, you know, four carries, seven yards, not a lot there, but he did have a touchdown, touchdown. on the ground. Yeah, it was, a, it was a sneak, but yeah. <laughs> but he had a touchdown on the ground there. Um, so yeah, I definitely think he's a watch list guy moving forward. And he's the type of guy that, you know, there's there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have kind of been coming out of nowhere this year. Uh, which we can definitely touch on a little bit later. Um, you know, Will Levis was one of them. We have a couple guys on the waiver wire list here. Um, so, you know, maybe don't rush out to add him, but he's a guy that if I absolutely had to start, like in our 2014 league, um, I, I wouldn't feel awful about it. Yeah, it'll really depend on opponent there, I think. Uh, Kentucky-Missouri was a really good game to watch. Kentucky stormed out early. Missouri kind of chipped their way back. Uh, Kentucky ended up winning at the end. Um, I, I think my first question here, Kentucky's offense really revolves around three guys, and there's kind of a, a fourth guy off on the periphery. Um, but Wandale Robinson, we have to talk about first here, just completely highlighting his versatility on the day. Uh, three carries, 73 yards, had a huge end around uh, that, that went for like 60 yards or something like that. And then he had five catches, 101 yards. They're using him in the passing game in a way that Nebraska ever never could. Um, he is winning short. He is winning deep, which I think was a big question mark. He just was not asked to do that in Nebraska. Um, this is a huge bounce back year for him. He's really rebounding that that draft stock. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely rebounding that draft stock. He's a guy that I was... Um, cautiously optimistic on 
um, this off season. Like I, I liked the offensive coordinator hire there and Liam Cohen. It was a guy they brought in from the Rams. Um, I, I figured he couldn't be any worse really than what he would be at, when he was at, no, at Nebraska. But like you said, he's definitely showing a lot more as a receiver than what we were expecting. I mean, he was used some in the receiving game at Nebraska, but it was a lot like shorter passes, a lot of gadgety type stuff uh, where he's actually out there running routes now. So, you know, I, I liked him, but he's a guy that is definitely even outperforming from a receiver perspective, what I was expecting. Yes. It's a breath of fresh air. Um, really? Cause I thought, you know, he's, you know, like one of those hybrid guys, it's, it's just really hard for them to stick in the NFL, but I think he's really showing his versatility. Um, Curtis Samuel is ish is kind of the comp there. I think, you know, he can be, he can have a, probably have a slightly better career than that. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a, you know, a wide receiver one for most of his time in the NFL, but, but certainly can uh, be a guy you want on your rosters. Um, second guy there that that's really important. Chris Rodriguez running back um, 26 carries 206 yards, three touchdowns um, really kind of helped them salt that game away in the, the fourth quarter. Um, what is he an NFL draft guy? Really? I mean, he's big, he's powerful. I, I don't know if I, if I see enough there to make him more than like a fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably get drafted just because he'll put up some numbers and, you know, he came from the SEC, but I don't know if I ever see him having a lot of NFL value or or being much more than like a grinder between the tackles and a two down guy. Yeah, he had one catch for five yards and a touchdown in this one, but not really much of a receiving option out of the backfield. Um, The thing that does worry me a little bit, though, is he, he fumbled twice in this one. Um, you know, I think they only lost the one, but you know, the other ones were they, they, he fumbled it into the end zone. They fell on it. They, they scored. So, you know, that's something that is at least something to monitor, uh, moving forward in terms of his NFL prospects. I mean, in terms of, you know, his college production here, you know, he can fumble twice and if he's putting up 200 yards, uh, and four touchdowns, you know, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and the nice thing is they don't really have a backup. They have Kvasia Smoke. He's eight carries, 39 yards. Um, so the, luckily, he probably has that job you know, pretty secure unless he's just really fumbling games away. And then Will Levis, quarterback, um, <laughs> didn't have a huge night. Uh, 10 for 18, 179 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Had a really nice deep throw to Wandale. Um, but other than that, you know, he, he was pretty quiet overall. I'm still not a believer. I, I really, really am not. I'm not really either. Um, you know, people were, were putting clips out there, that deep ball, um, you know, highlighting that and saying, you know, that's the the kind of player that he is. But I think those options, those, those um, you know, throws are few and far between. You know, he was, he was missing guys at times there too. You know, he only had 10 completions. Now they, they got up early and they just kind of salted the game away. You know, they ran the ball 52 times. So, you know, that factors into it, just the game plan there. But just overall, did not he was okay. Um, I, I was not impressed by him. Um, and, you know, once again, didn't bring a whole lot on the ground. I mean, 25 yards, he had a touchdown, so it was fine. But 
um, you know, still hasn't really used his legs in the way that I was kind of expecting him to. And reportedly, that's one of the reasons he chose Kentucky is because they saw him more as a quarterback than a running quarterback. So, you know, that I think that I think is, is a trend that's going to continue. So he's not really a guy that I'm rushing to go pick up, although I think last week was a week where everybody was rushing to pick him up. Yeah, I I don't think he's a startable option. Um, and to be honest, unless you're in a super deep league, I don't. He's watch list guy still um, for me. Um, last uh, Mizzou Tyler Tyler Beatty. You know we we talked a little bit about him in the preseason. He's having himself a year here, man. I mean, in a 14 carries, 61 yards. Then the, he does his this stuff through the air. 10 catches, 88 yards, a touchdown. Had a big receiving week the week before this. A well-rounded guy over 200 pounds. I mean, I don't know how much more we can keep talking about this guy before he becomes a legitimate prospect. He's he's good. Yeah. He's just a good player. I think he's going to get way better draft capital than Larry Roundtree did his predecessor. Yeah. Yeah, because like you said, I mean, he's he's their leading receiver right now on the year. Um, he just had 10 catches this past game, you know. So uh, in a game where they were playing from behind and they were throwing the ball a lot. So I think that his 10 catches kind of, doesn't really bode that well for Basilac. Um, he's just kind of dumping the ball off a lot. Uh, I mean, he had 5.8 yards per attempt there, so not very good. Um, but, you know, in terms of Tyler Beatty, you know, huge stock up. I don't think you can expect 10 catches every week, but if he gets five catches every week, I think that's very reasonable. Um, on top of, you know, a, a heavy volume on the ground, too, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, could be a, a league winner for you, honestly, depending on where you took him. Um, great yeah great uh, not great very good athlete Mm. he's physical he's he plays very low to the ground got great hands i i really there are very few players that i can really even think are in the conversation that have helped their stock more than tyler Beatty this year um last game here uh, texas arkansas uh big upsets from the field after the game arkansas beats texas was never really close uh arkansas pretty much controlled this game throughout um let's start with texas here colin um (laughs) so the news has come out since we made the show sheet a few hours ago (laughs) we have time to question the quarterback situation uh yes it is because texas has already announced that casey thompson is going to start the next game here for the longhorns yeah and uh, like i said in the in the discord too um you know i i'm still a believer in card you know, he I was expecting him to kind of start slow and struggle slow because he's only been a quarterback since his senior year um, of high school. So or junior year of high school. So he has two years of, of playing experience and it was only at the high school level, you know, didn't really see any snaps last year. So he's still raw. Now, he looked raw out there, to be honest with you. You know, he did not look calm in the pocket. Uh, you know, he got he dropped his eyes a lot to the rush. He just, yeah, he struggled. He looked like a quarterback in his second career start against a defense. That's pretty good. Um, you know, Casey Thompson came in, settled the team down. I don't think Casey Thompson did anything to blow the doors off there. You know, he didn't he had two garbage rushing. time. Yeah, yeah. Garbage time. Total, total garbage time. Yeah. And he had two rushing touchdowns, but that one was saved by the, uh, by that roughing the passer penalty. Um, you know, that gave them an extra first down off of what should have been a drive ender. But, you know, he he was fine. And I think that's what Sark wants at this point. I still think they're going to go back to Hudson Card at some point because I, I don't think Casey Thompson's anything special. 
Um, and I think Casey Thompson's going to get exposed throughout the year here. So I'm I'm not giving up on card, but I've also been one of his staunchest supporters. So I do understand if people are ready to move on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure um, I actually saw a tweet from Carson or from Hudson Card's dad saying that he thinks the Casey Thompson's to start this week. So you are literally the last person <laughs> left. Oh, no, I'm just on the Hudson. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, they get rice this week. So Casey Thompson's going to look good this week. And then, yeah. That's exactly what's going to happen. You know, we we had a very long discussion today. A bunch of people were talking about this in the Discord. Um, it's the quarterback that that plays the majority next year is not on campus right now. Now I don't know if that's Malik Murphy, uh, the guy. Uh, it's a top ten quarterback in next year's class. Um, has a cannon, just a cannon of an arm. Um, a really good athlete, uh, but very very raw as a passer. He's only played like a high school season and a half. Um, or is it a transfer? Because, yeah, I mean, as of right, card was lost. The receivers weren't doing him a ton of favors, but he just did not look like it's looked like you just took a random, like he was like sleeping and someone just went and woke him up. Like, do we have a football game right now? And he was like, what? Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> and they threw him out there and he, he just looked, he looked terrible, man. Like I, it, he rice is his level. It looks like, like seriously, just was, was really, really bad. Um, I, I struggle to think that Thompson will be that much better. Um, but, but who knows? Um, so this, this year was not expected to be a national championship year for them. So I, I think it's hard to get too upset about Sark playing around there with the quarterbacks a little bit. In the meantime, though, does this cap Bijan's upside a little bit? You know, Arkansas packed the box. They dared them. They said, if Bijan Robinson can beat us, then fine. That like that we like we we can live with that, but we're gonna make it as hard as we possibly can for him to do that. And um, they did a pretty decent job. He had 19 carries, 69 yards, a touchdown. Um, just overall was not he he was running fine. He was he was breaking tackles. He's beating guys in the backfield. Uh, but does this does this cap his his upside for this season because? Teams are going to look at what they just did and say, okay, we're going to do that exact same thing. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. So I think you're going to see a lot of stat lines that look similar to this one. You know, 19, 20 carries for, you know, 60, 70 yards and a touchdown. I think the key to Robinson's fantasy success this year is going to come in the passing game. You know, we saw that in week one. Um, you know, he had a big role in the passing offense there. Uh, in this one, one catch for four yards. So uh, it didn't bring a lot on that front. I think Casey Thompson being the starter does help Bijan Robinson because Casey Thompson, while he's not afraid to push the ball downfield, maybe he should be. Um, he doesn't have the best arm. So I think he's probably going to look for Bijan Robinson, you know, check it down a little bit. Uh, so I, I think that's a good thing for Bijan. But in the games where he's not, getting a lot of passing volume, pass game volume. I, I think he's going to have similar stat lines to this. On the opposite side of things here, Arkansas, they, that run game is legit. They ran it for over 300 yards, uh, total offense, 40 carries. Um, the bench is deep at running back. They had Traylon Smith who gets, who gets the start there and, and he got the majority of the touches, uh, 12 carries, 75 yards, a touchdown, 
um, caught a pass as well. Then you have KJ Jefferson, the quarterback, 10 carries, 73 yards. You had AJ Green, the true freshman, seven carries, 67 yards, a touchdown. You had Raheem Sanders, the freshman, eight for 50 and a touchdown. You had Dominique Johnson, six for 44 and a touchdown. Backup quarterback came in, you know, Malik Hornsby and ran for 29 yards. I mean, they just ran it and ran it and ran it and Texas couldn't stop them. So they just kept on running it. Um, AJ Green looked really good. I think he's the guy I want to ask you about here. He looked awesome. Like I was like, he who did. is number zero? I I and I he turned, I was like, oh holy crap, that's AJ Green. Um, he he looked really good. Him and Sanders are going to be a duo there over the next couple of years. They are the next McFadden Felix Jones pairing <laughs> there for them. Um, I mean, AJ Green is a guy that you've been hyping up uh, at times throughout the offseason Here, he's a guy that maybe I was a little bit too low on because you're right. He looked fantastic out there. Um, and he's just, he's very explosive. He's got that top end, uh, high end speed there too, that is, I think he's going to form a nice, uh, like smash and dash duo, like you were saying there with, uh, with AJ green and Raheem Sanders. So, you know, once Traylon Smith goes, then it's going to be AJ green time. I think he's, you know, going to be capped until then, but, with the way they spread the ball out this this week, if they keep doing that every week, uh, it's uh, you know they they looked good. Uh, they, he could have yeah. some similar weeks. Yeah, um, he, yeah. I mean, I, and I don't know. You know, is are, are they startable every week? I don't know. But you damn well better be going to pick up AJ Green and, and stashing him. Um, and you know, I don't think Raheem Sanders is available a lot of places, yeah. but you should be stashing him too if he's still out there. Um, Traylon Burks, no volume at all, I think is really the issue. They do not pass the ball very much. 19 passes on the night, um, and, and Jefferson's not a great passer. Anyway, uh, Burks finished with five catches, 37 yards. He, We're benching him till further notice, right? I know they have kind of a cupcake schedule this week, but... I, I don't know. Uh, they just, I just, I struggle to see him being majorly involved in a, in a, in a game plan when they don't have to pass it that much. They just took down Texas. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't seem to have to pass it. They don't seem to want to pass it. They probably shouldn't pass it with KJ Jefferson. <laughs> um, so yeah, his, his volume is going to be pretty low. It's, he's going to be big play dependent. And now he's a guy who can absolutely take one catch and just take it to the house. Uh, so you're going to have weeks where you'll probably be upset that you didn't start him because he'll have four for 110 and two touchdowns or something ridiculous like that. But yeah, moving forward, it's it's hard to start him confidently. Now, he was banged up going into this one. He was questionable, um, ended up playing. So maybe that had something to do with it a little bit. And he is the receiver who gets the most targets by a pretty significant margin but yeah hard hard to trust moving forward you're basically hoping for a big touchdown which mm -hmm. is to start is, is kind of a tough process and i know you probably spent a, a premium pick on him there are better days ahead you know he he is in the chase claypool dk metcalf level of athlete for the wide receiver position um it just might not happen for him this year in a a rough offense there all right colin Let's get into a little stock up, stock down here. We did this last week. Uh, I had some fun tossing out a few names. We each picked two uh, players that have improved their stock this year, two that have gone down. I think we've talked about a couple of these guys already tonight, um, so maybe we won't harp on, on a couple of them too much here. But your your main stock up guy here is C.J. Verdell, running back from Oregon. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, he was a guy that I was kind of hyping up in the off season here. Um, but obviously this performance was not something that I was expecting. He was your start last week. He was on your list. He was not on mine. I did leave him on the bench in a league and I ended up losing because of it. Uh, so that hurts. But like I said, a Joe Moorhead offenses are very efficient running the ball. It's high volume rushing attacks. And he's been the primary beneficiary here. Um, you know, he's he doesn't have a dominant share of the carries, 38 carries to um, Travis Dye's 21, but it's still a good share of, the, of that work there. He's been very efficient with it. And, you know, he catches the ball out of the backfield as well. So he's got the PPR upside. I think he's a guy that you're going to be starting every week moving forward. And like we just talked about, you know, he's looking like a day two guy uh, in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, big stock up for CJ Verdell. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I think my first name on the list here is Wandale Robinson. <laughs> and we talked about him earlier. But that just the big thing for me is the the variety of ways in which they're using him. And it's not just stuff that's close to the line of scrimmage, low A dot, handoffs, things like that. He's legitimately um, being used in multiple ways in the passing game. I think that's key for his stock. Um, I think he can certainly be a day two pick. I think he's a better, more versatile player than, um, you know, Aeneas Smith, who's in the same class as him and that's not to knock Aeneas Smith as a player but um if I had to pick between the two what Wandale is showing me this year uh, playing downfield a little bit would give him the bump uh for me for sure um stock up number two Colin uh a big name here a guy that has had uh two really nice weeks to open the season yeah it's a guy that uh you know came in with a little bit of hype last year and then didn't really do a whole lot um but that Michigan team last year was just tough overall, but uh, big stock up here for Blake Corum. Um, he's second on the team in carries with 35, which is right behind um, Hassan Haskins, but he has been extremely efficient. 8.1 yards per carry, probably not sustainable, but you know he's looked very, very explosive when he's had the ball in his hands. Uh, 282 yards, four touchdowns, another five catches for 33 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, Hassan Haskins has been fine, but we all kind of expected Donovan Edwards to take a significant share of that work early on in the season. And I don't know if that's going to happen now. Uh, Blake Corum has really showed that they need to get him the ball more often than what they are. You know, he should probably be out touching Haskins. He's looked really good. And he's a guy that uh, I don't think we were high enough on. Yeah, shout out to Brandon Lejeune, Debbie, Debbie Deep Dive um, podcast and the Debbie Dashboard, all those kind of things um, that that has been big on Corum all offseason. Um, the, the, my second name that I put down here is Dylan Wright, wide receiver at Minnesota. Um, you know, I don't think the analytics crowd will like him very much and, and for very good reason. Uh, he came into college extremely raw at uh, Texas, uh, te or Texas A&M. Uh, basically, he redshirted his freshman year, didn't really touch the field at all. Um, last year, barely played i wish i had a time machine that i could go back um and, and pick him up on all the rosters that i dropped him on early last season but uh here we are um but he he definitely adds something to this minnesota offense week one against ohio state five catches 57 yards a touchdown and then i'm against miami of ohio this week three catches 73 yards another touchdown he, he's a, a big red zone target there for uh for tanner morgan um he still needs to work a little bit more on you know his route running and things like that but but he's been managing to get some decent separation. Uh, he's a very good athlete. He's big. He's 6'4", over 200 pounds. Um, he, so he's got all those kind of tools. 
Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying he's anything more than like a, a fourth or fifth round pick right now, just based on solely what we've seen. But if he continues like this, uh, he could certainly help his stock out a lot there um, up for the the Gophers. Yeah, uh, you know, with with Mo Ibrahim going down, we thought they were going to be a little bit more pass heavy. And that didn't come to fruition throughout last week. But, um, you know, as they start to get in a little in a little bit more of the uh, the big 10 schedule there i think we might start to see that a little bit so he's a guy that i think is going to increase his volume kind of as the season goes on a little bit but we like pj fleck wide receivers uh you know he, he's shown an ability to develop guys and dylan wright's just the latest example uh, you know probably a little bit more of a devy asset at this point so i don't know exactly what his passing volume is going to look like even with the slight uptick that we're expecting as the season moves on but um yeah, I mean, he's he's got everything you want, size, speed. There you go. I think he has to be rostered in, in all leagues. Um, anything but the, the most shallow of, of leagues. Uh, stock down here, Colin. Oh, man, the first name you put here just gives me so much happiness. I'm going to sleep so well tonight knowing that you're about to talk of, talk, talk about this guy here. Um, yeah, it's a guy that I was, I was high on uh, throughout the year here. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, as I talked him up a lot during the offseason, uh, and that's Ty Chandler running back for UNC. Um, you know, he is the leading running back there at UNC with 25 carries. The next closest running back is DJ Jones with six. So, you know, process there, I, I don't think was a bad process. He's seeing the volume that we were expecting to see. He just has not been very efficient with it. Uh, 124 yards and one touchdown. The rushing offense in general for UNC has just been bad. The offensive line is not good. The volume really hasn't been there from a rushing perspective. Now, granted, it's two games. The first one was a tough one against uh, Virginia Tech that they end up, you know, they were trailing for a good portion of the game. They end up losing that one. The second one is an utter blowout. Um, you know, so, but even in that blowout there, you would have expected a little bit more production, and we didn't see that. Um, Sam Howell is actually the leading rusher in terms of yards and touchdowns with 139 and two. But until this rushing offense looks better, I don't think you could start Ty Chandler. And if you can't start him, that hurts his value overall. Like that was one of the big things that I was looking at uh, in terms of the reasons that I liked him. I thought he was going to have a big year this year on the college side. But if he's not doing that, you know, I, it's, it's I'm not sure about his long-term NFL potential. I do think he gets drafted, um, you know, just coming from from what he's done and coming from UNC. Uh, but he's probably more of a day three guy. And at that point, I don't, I don't know if I, how much NFL success I see from him either. You lost me as soon as you said that the volume part of it was a good process. Because that was your point. So that was that was entire very early. Off season. That was very early in my and my yeah, and I didn't listen to the rest. <laughs> My point was that he's not going to be efficient with it. That was literally my entire point. I said that all off season. You did not believe me. Uh, and here we are. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's a ro he's roster clogger. I think we can put him firmly in that category. Um, this UNC offense, I think when the going gets tough, they're not going to run the ball. No. I think they're going to be a very pass heavy offense simply because they don't do it well. No, it just, so I think he, he's a complete fade at this point. If you can get anything for him, I think you sell him. Um, but yeah, just just kind of a rough one there. 
um, and I didn't mean I put this name down before I saw you put, so I didn't mean to kick you while you were down. Yeah, you're just you're, you're you're letting me kick myself, and then you're just gonna pile on top. Hey, while you're down there, uh, Hudson Card um, <laughs> bench to Texas. I don't think there's really anything else to say about that. A guy that you know we we really he he was elevated in the Debbie community two years ago. Him and Haynes King were both thought of as truly very strong prospects. Uh, expected to sit a year and then and then kind of show what they had. Um, King struggled week one, injured this week, um, out, out at least a month here with a fractured ankle, and then Carr just played poorly. Uh, not much more to say about that. I I don't see a long-term future for him there at Texas. I don't think he's a draftable player right now at the quarterback position from the, from the NFL's perspective. Um, and so I, I he's a total fade for me at this point. Um, and again, Sell him if you can get anything for him. I don't know his stop. Maybe you just hold him and hope he transfers. That that might be the best case scenario for you. Yeah, I don't think you can sell him right now. Um, but he just got benched in a very pretty public way. I, I would I would hang on to him. You're not going to get anything for him. I still think he has all the tools that the NFL is looking for in terms of passers. He needs some development. We always knew that. Uh, it's you know it's not coming, and it it didn't look good early. And I don't know. I think he'll take the job back at some point because I don't think that highly of Casey Thompson. But like you said, I think Sark may see the writing on the wall that maybe neither of these guys are actually it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, miss on my part so far. I'm not ready to give up, uh, but I also dig my heels in and I'm, I'm very stubborn. Ready. So, I'm not ready to give up, says the guy that uh, you just had a beer bottle hit over his head and was you know punched in the face by Mike Tyson in the bar fight. And he's like, I'm not done yet. I'm not That's calling right now. Going. That's calling yeah, right I, now. I'm very stubborn. I'll dig my heels in. I'm not, I'm not ready to give up yet because it's only been two games and I knew he was raw. So, But, yeah, not looking good. Not looking good. I wouldn't sell him, though. Uh, to stock down player number two here is a name that I uh, hasn't been relevant in a long time. We were really hoping for the bounce back for CJ Johnson this year. Yeah, just um, I was hoping for the bounce back for CJ Johnson this year. He was a guy that I liked uh, early on in his career. Huge freshman year. Um, fantastic year. Got the size that you're looking for and everything, but had a bit of a down year last year. Um, wasn't awful, but wasn't great. But this year through two games, only five catches for 39 yards. He's fifth on the team in catches, including being behind running back Rajay Harris. Um, and that passing offense as a whole has not been good. Holton Allers has not been good. He's completed 51% of his passes right now. So I CJ Johnson is borderline droppable at this point, I think. I, I agree with you. I think he is droppable. Um, just not what we thought he could be. Um my the one I put down here is a guy that hasn't played at all this year, so that's really fun. Uh, Darnell Washington, a tight end for Georgia. Um, he had seven catches last year. I think people were ready to anoint him because he's a, he's huge and he's a really good athlete for his size six seven two sixty five. Um, I've always maintained he's too big uh, for the position, generally speaking. Um, and he. You know, they they brought in Eric Gilbert. We said, okay, like whatever. Brock Bowers got a ton of hype uh, this offseason. And then Brock Bowers has gone out there and produced. He's outproduced everything 
that that Washington did last year in two games. Nine catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns here through two weeks. He's getting targets. He looks really athletic. He's probably, I mean, I haven't specifically sat down to watch Brock Bowers block, but I can guarantee you he's probably a better blocker than Darnell Washington because Darnell Washington might be the worst blocking tight end in all of college football. Uh, the definition of charm and soft. Uh, I think that he is basically done as being anything meaningful there at Georgia. And I will take the L on Brock Bowers. He is just so much better than Darnell Washington. It's not even freaking close. I mean, you say you're taking an L on Brock Bowers, but honestly, the reason that you were off of Brock Bowers was because of the depth chart ahead of him. And, you know, he got his opportunity because Eric Gilbert's not there, uh, because Darnell Washington's been hurt. So that that's what gave him the opportunity. And he's looked really good with that opportunity. So, you know, I don't think that's that big of an L. It's certainly not your biggest L, uh, you know, sitting JSN last week. What the fuck yeah. did you say to me? What did you say? You, you were <laughs> off of a, you were off of Zach Charbonnet. Um, so I don't think Brock Bowers is your biggest L. Um, I'm happy to remind you of other ones as well. Yes, but thank you for I, keeping me <laughs> humble, Colin. I do appreciate that. You're welcome. I mean, you kicked me while I was down last uh, on the last section there, so I had to I had to return the favor. But um, yeah, no, Darnell Washington doesn't look like he's going to get that job back. Brock Bowers has looked really, really good, and uh, I think that he's a guy that he's not. I guarantee you he's probably not available. But if he is somehow, go out and get him, and he's a guy that. If you want, went out and buy, bought him right now, I think his stock's only going to continue to rise. And actually, to be fair, I have a lot of Brock Bowers. I just wasn't taking him at tight end 20. I was taking right. him at like tight end 30, and I felt really good there. Um, I actually probably have him in four or five different leagues. Um, so I I still wouldn't feel comfortable starting Brock Bowers, by the way, and I think I, I don't have him in like my starter sits or whatever next uh, later in the show, but I did just want to toss that out here um, while we're chatting about this. Uh, all right, Colin, we did a little bit of a waiver wire segment Last week, uh, Felix was kind enough to write the article last week. I, I wrote uh, the article for the site this week on, on players. Um, we went a little more aggressive with the roster ship this week. So I think, um, you know, as the season wears on, their deep rosters, anybody above 30 or 40%, probably probably on a team at this point in most leagues. Um, so, so maybe not worth talking about. Uh, but we threw a couple of names on here, uh, some of them in the article, some of them not. Uh, the top one here, Jaron Hall quarterback at BYU he's 8% rostered according to fan tracks as of 9 13 2021 at roughly nine o'clock p.m <laughs> um but he had a nice week this week and, and BYU beat Utah um so I, I mean I, from a perspective from like a keeping his starting job perspective I think he's very safe at this point it was, it was a tough competition this offseason uh Hall threw for 149 yards three touchdowns so I think his performance was slightly inflated there because of the touchdowns, but he has this rushing floor, eight carries, 92 yards, no touchdowns there, but that rushing floor is so enticing for him. And BYU doesn't necessarily play a, a super difficult schedule. Uh, I think that he should be, should be rostered most places um, because I just think, and he's a sophomore. He's like 25. He was at BYU. He's on a mission for two years and all this other stuff. But so you you can get two more years out of him probably too. Yeah, um, you know he was one of the guys you mentioned early in the off season. Um, you know, as a guy to potentially take a deep deep flyer on if you're in a deep league. But it's looking like that one's going to pay off. Um, brings a lot on the rushing side of things. Um, Utah is definitely one of the toughest games that they're going to play all year. Uh, the slate is going to open up a little bit here. So, you know, and the other win was against what Arizona, who they're not a good power five team, 
they're probably worse than a decent amount of group of five teams, but they're still a power five team. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think he's a great ad at this point. Yeah. Second quarterback here on the list, Seth Hennigan, the true, or I think he's a second year, but he's a freshman at Memphis. Um, Grant Cannell ruled out, uh, with a lower body injury. He had surgery a couple of weeks ago here. Uh, there's no timetable for his return. And honestly, I'm not sure he gets that job when he comes back. They, they were listed as or on the depth chart through the preseason and Hennigan, um, you know, uh, against nickel state week one, uh, 60% of his passes, 265 yards, a touchdown this week against Arkansas States, uh, 417 pass yards, five touchdowns, just ran the offense really, really well. Um, I think that he is a guy that we like the Memphis quarterback and he has a bunch of years left there on campus and he's not so good that he'll leave early. I think that package makes him very enticing. Yeah. Cause you're looking at probably three more years of him and while i don't ever think he's going to be a super high-end um fantasy quarterback on the college side he's going to be very reliable he's going to give you some just steady production week in week out um you know and i think that the three having the three years of availability there on that side likely three years of availability on that side um makes him my uh top QB ad, even over Jaron Hall. Um, Jaron Hall's ceiling may be a little bit better, but uh, you know you get the extra year with Hennigan. So I would take Hennigan over Hall, personally. If this is your first year playing any sort of CFF or C2C, uh, ask people that have been playing for a while uh, how enjoyable it was having Brady White on their team for many, many years <laughs> there in Memphis, and then maybe you have another Brady White here. So it's the former quarterback of Memphis. Again, for people that do not know that. Um, running backs, I got a few here on the list. Evan Hall, running back at Northwestern. Uh, Cam Porter uh, goes down in the, the preseason. We kind of said who's going to take this job. Maybe Anthony Tyus, the freshman. Um, but, it, but it's Hall that has really taken that job and made it his uh, two, through two games here so far. Uh, nine for 87 uh, and three catches against Michigan State week one. And then this past week, 20 carries, 126 yards, two touchdowns against Indiana State. Um, do you think he's rosterable, Colin? He's he's 5% on Fantrax uh, rostered right now. Yeah, I mean, he's rosterable. You could do worse. Uh, but I don't know how much I want to invest in that Northwestern offense as a whole. I just don't think Northwestern is going to be very good this year. Um, so he'll have the volume. Whether I'll have the the rest of the stats to go with it, I don't really know. But um, yeah, I mean, so you could do worse. Yeah, Northwestern likes to run the ball a bit there too. Um, so so that doesn't hurt. Um, one of my big uh, ads this week, and I don't know why he's not rostered higher. I mean, I, I again, I don't know what the breakdown of. Um, CFF leagues versus C2C leagues and all that kind of stuff are on fan track, so you can't track it. But Alton McCaskill, true freshman running back at Houston, uh, 7% uh, rostered on fan tracks. He, he had a really nice week this week, and, and PJ pointed out he does a really awesome uh, thread every week just on some, some shifts in snap percentage. He got the most snaps to the running back position for Houston this week. And he delivered 14 carries for 40 yards, two touchdowns, four catches, 51 yards, a touchdown. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a this year play, but I think this just shows how highly the team thinks of him. A uh, high three-star kid, the 28th ranked running back in the class this year. 
um, and he can do it all. I think that he's going to be a big name there for a, for a while. And I think that if you have room to stash running backs, AJ Green is one we talked about earlier. Alton McCaskill has to be another here that you are aggressively targeting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's uh, probably a lot higher rostered in C2Cs, like you said. I mean, we don't have the ability to break that down. but uh, So he may not be available uh, in your C2C league, but if he is, I would definitely go pick him up because uh, you know the, the running game in Houston week one did not look particularly good. Um, it looked significantly better here in week two, and Alton McCaskill was probably a big part of that. So wouldn't surprise me if he gets a good share of the uh, touches moving forward this year. And then, you know, you have three years of him there after that. So you said he's a play more for next year. I wouldn't even rule out this year. Would you ever feel comfortable starting him? That's the big thing. I don't don't know. He got as it stands right now. No, but I could see it getting to a point in three, four weeks where he's handling the vast majority of those touches. Okay. All right. I think that's, I mean, it's It's a wait and see one way or the other. I mean, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, Rasheen Ali is a guy that that probably was picked up quite a bit week one here. He's 21% rostered um, running back, a second year running back at Marshall. Um, Four touchdowns week one, had eight catches here week two as a running back. I mean, he seems like he's pretty versatile. Um, He supposedly is a little over 200 pounds, so he's got some nice size there, six feet tall. Um, uh, Not not probably an NFL back, but I think that – I think he he should be rostered in most leagues as a CFF guy for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a, a freshman, so you're going to get three more years of him. And if he, you know, week one and week two are any indication of what you can look for from him, uh, you know, it's going to be three pretty big years. I think Marshall's a solid offense. Um, I think that they're a team that's going to all year put up decent fantasy numbers. And um, if he's not like you said, he was probably Ali was probably picked up a lot week one, but if he's not, he's still available. I would go pick him up. Uh, he's probably my top uh, running back ad this week. C2C perspective, probably McCaskill if he's available, but I doubt he is. Ali, probably then the top running back ad. Yeah. Um, receiver, we've got a couple of names here Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver at Baylor. Uh, big post type sleeper. We thought he'd take over Denzel Mims last year and then kind of had a disappointing. Um, season uh, but so far this year five catches each game so far uh, this past week 103 yards and two touchdowns Baylor is a bit more run heavy than they have been in the past but he's the number one wide receiver there uh, and the Baylor's trailing in games you know he he's going to get some work there so I think at six percent rostered he's somebody that I, I would think about picking up especially if you've been disappointed by um you know, like the Jalen Halls and Sky Moores of the world or, you know, just some guys like that that maybe haven't performed thus far. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think that I, I don't love Jerry Bohannon as a quarterback, but doesn't really have a lot of other options to go to. Tyquan Thornton's at least dependable. Uh, I think he'll put up some nice weeks for you. So I, he's definitely a guy I would consider rostering. Yeah, um, Roderick Burns is a really fun one here. Two percent rostered on fan tracks, and uh, has been the leading receiver here for North Texas. I, I was hyping up um, uh, Jair Shorter all offseason, but Burns uh, six catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown week one. Twelve catches, 141 yards here week two. Uh, looks like there's volume. He's got 25 targets through two games actually. Um, that that's great volume for a team that figures to uh, be passing the ball a pretty decent amount this year. 
Yeah, I mean, we we wanted the the number one wide receiver in North Texas. Yeah, we thought it was going to be shorter. Uh, it's not looking like that's the case, though. It's looking like it's going to be Roderick Burns. And, you know, if it is Roderick Burns, you know, 25 targets, like you said, through through the first two weeks, if that type of volume continues, he's absolutely a guy that I want to roster. Um, he would be my, probably my number one wide receiver ad uh, out of the guys that we have here and probably out of the guys who are available in most of your leagues. He's probably my number one ad there as well because I think the number one wide receiver in North Texas is going to have a big year. They, they throw the ball a lot. They're not a good defense. So, yeah, I, I like Roger Burns. Yeah, and then the last name here, Devin Maddox, wide receiver at Toledo. Um, through two games there, 11 catches, 226 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, it's a MAC receiver, guys. I mean, the, the MAC is, is gold for, uh, for, for offensive play. And so I think Devin Maddox should seriously be on, on radars, uh, from a pure CFF perspective. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, I believe he's a Jarek back is special too. Uh, I believe he was highlighted in his, uh, weekly thread that he does with uh, wide receiver shares and breakdowns and stuff. And, um, you know, so it, it, I would absolutely uh, consider rostering him as well. He's he's a close second behind Burns for me. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's dip into, uh, as we said, a real and imagined. It's a, 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 a thing here that we're going to do the first couple weeks of the season just to kind of gauge early season performances and whether they are for real or not. Uh, either way, either good or bad. Uh, you got a couple names at each position here tonight. Uh, first one on the list, Colin, is Matt Corral. And, you know, obviously he's had good performances, 68% completion uh, percentage week one, uh, 381 yards, a touchdown, another 55 yards and a touchdown on the ground. This past week, uh, they kind of took it easy there. Uh, 281 yards, five touchdowns, another 35 yards on the ground. has just looked really impressive. Um, are his performances here for real? Can he finish close to that QB one here for fantasy? Yeah, uh, I absolutely think these are real. Um, you know, he put, he did this for the most part last year as well. Uh, so it's kind of a continuation of last year and, you know, bit of a softer schedule opening here than what he's going to see throughout the season. Cause he's, he's going to see a lot of sec defenses. Um, you know, so he'll have some games where, he'll probably throw two picks. Um, you know, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility at all. I mean, he threw what, like five picks in one game last year against Arkansas, I think. Twice. So yeah. So yeah, he'll have, he'll have some rough performances and the turnovers, but I think the volume is going to be there all year. Um, so I think, you know, he's as close to a good bet as you can get for throwing over 300 yards week in week out. And then he adds a little bit with his legs too. So yeah, I think he could absolutely be a top five, even top one quarterback. Yeah, definitely a possibility there. The other guy I just want to talk about, we talked about him as an addition earlier, but Seth Hennigan, um, just, the, just the pure, you know, 265 and one and then 417 and five this week. Or those kind of performances short term here, are, are they sustainable for him? Um. Yes and no. I think Hill's numbers will come down a little bit, but I do think he's going to be a guy that you could potentially start uh, in some weeks, especially as they start to get into uh, AAC schedules. There's a couple soft matchups in there. They get Mississippi State this week, which uh, I would probably expect that to be a shootout, uh, although you know Mississippi State didn't look 
all that great last week. Um, I mean, they looked they looked good, but they're from a passing offense perspective, it wasn't quite as as good as what I thought it was going to be. Um, it was more NC State just I think looked bad. Um, I didn't watch the whole game there, but what I saw, NC State did not look good. So, but I still think this is going to be a nice matchup this week. And like I said, as you get into AAC play, he'll put up some nice weeks. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to say that he is real as well. Although in the short term, I still don't think I would start him weekly. Um, I would be hesitant to do that. Um, running backs, two names here, uh, some some interesting discussions to be had. The first one, Micah Bernard, running back at Utah. Um, was in a bit of a committee there, but Tavion Thomas fumbled this week, and Bernard got the bulk of the carries after that and had himself a big day. 12 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown uh, there again in the loss against BYU. Um, is it? Does he have the starting job? Is that for real? Um, yes, in the extent that he will be the lead ball carrier for the next couple of weeks. Uh, now he could take that job and run with it and then, you know, be the guy that they give the majority of the, the vast majority of the carries to, you know, where he gets closer to maybe like a 75, 25, a 70, 30 type of a split. But um, for right now, they have another couple guys that they just kind of like to lean on. And, and Thomas looked good week one. He fumbled. Uh, Bernard took advantage. I don't think Thomas is going away. So, uh, you know, he'll probably handle maybe like 60% uh, of the touches, maybe 50 somewhere in that range, but um, I, he's a guy that I think will continue to add more and more work as the season goes on. He's the guy that I like the most out of that backfield in the off season. Um, I'm going to say that it's, that it's not real, um, that, that it's imagined. Um, just, I, I don't think they found their guy yet. We'll see if they, I think they'll reset everything kind of this week. It just, you know, was not a great week all around there for Utah. Um, so I'm going to say that it is not real. Um, the other running back here, Trayson Potts, the guy that filled in at Minnesota there uh, for, uh, his name just totally went Mo out Ibrahim. of my head. Mo Ibrahim, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, done for the year there. Potts was RB3 in fantasy on the week 29.8 points uh 34 carries 178 yards two touchdowns um no receiving work which is actually fairly interesting because uh, that's kind of his forte but um it was against miami of ohio but uh, is he a startable running back moving forward is that that's the question here yeah i definitely think that's real um i think that he's a guy who's going to continue to get a lot of volume and you know, we didn't necessarily expect him to get like the 30 carries that Mo Ibrahim got. I did think that they were going to get, um, you know, Kai Thomas and Cam Wiley involved and maybe even Bucky Irving. Um, but I, I did think they were going to get a couple of the other guys involved, but that was not the case. Potts handled the vast majority of the carries, 30 something carries. And, uh, I, you know, it's seeming like that's they just want to feed one guy. And as long as he's the guy, he's a must start. The split is encouraging, but let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Miami of Ohio has given up 214 yards per game on the ground. So That's fair. Um, obviously two tough games there in Cincy and Minnesota. But um, I'm going to say the the workload is real, um, but I think he's a flex play. Like I don't, I don't think he's a, a no-brainer starter uh, moving forward. So we will see if that, if that continues or not. Wide receiver, two disappointments. The first one here is Mookie Cooper. A guy that I just not did not see this coming at all. Um, very disappointing. 
uh, overall. He, he's had five targets week one, two week two, uh, 10 rushing yards on the year, 28 re- uh, receiving yards, no touchdowns. Um, Beatty's getting all this work and he's not getting anything. Is, is his role in that offense uh, as minimal as it is? Is that for real? Um, no, I don't think it will be. Uh, he was banged up in the off season a little bit. Um, he was kind of questionable to, to start the season here. I think his role will continue to grow throughout the season. Um, you know, and I think he kind of fits the way this offense is trending too with Basilak with a lot of shorter stuff, uh, a lot of shorter passes. Um, you know, I think he, he's the type of guy that they can get involved in a gadgety way, but I do think that it's, I don't think that he will get the type of volume that we were initially expecting. Yeah, I'm going to say that his volume is real, actually. I think that maybe this is not the year for him to break out of that offense, but we shall see. Uh, The other disappointing wide receiver here, Reggie Roberson at SMU, has been a, a fantasy god at SMU over the past few years when he's been healthy. Uh, but but struggles this year, three catches for 59 yards week one, five for 42 week two, uh, barely a startable guy if you combine his first two weeks into one, uh, getting outproduced by Rasheed Rice and Danny Gray there. Um, so is this for real? Is Reggie Roberson uh, on the bench until further notice? Yeah. Yeah, I think this one is real. Um New quarterback there, you know, Shane Bouchelle really targeted Reggie Roberson, but Tanner Mordecai seems to like Danny Gray, like you were talking on last week. Um, I didn't necessarily think Danny Gray's performance was repeatable uh, in terms of a volume or a market share perspective, but it's looking like that may be something moving forward. And Reggie Roberson's the, uh, the, the guy who suffers most from that. So, yeah, I'm not starting him moving until further notice. Yeah, and I, I somewhat boldly declared last week that I think Danny Gray ends up leading that team in targets uh, through two weeks. He has 15, uh, Roberson has 10, and Rice has eight, I believe, and I'm sticking to that. I think Danny Gray is the wide receiver one there at SMU. Um, last name here on the night, we have a tight end this week, Brock Bowers at Georgia. We talked a little bit about him earlier. Six catches, 43 yards week one, three, 107, and two against UAB in week two. Is Brock Bowers for real? Um, are those types of fantasy performances for real? No, I don't think that's something he's going to put up consistently every week. I mean, he busted off. It was like an 80 yard touchdown run. Uh, very athletic, very good tight end. I don't think you can count on an 80 yard touchdown run every week from him. So I think like the three catch range is, is definitely repeatable. You know, he may have a touchdown sprinkled in here and there. Um, but I don't, know how comfortable i will be starting him uh moving forward i don't see those types of performances every week i i would not feel comfortable starting him either um so i am actually going to agree with you completely the fantasy performances are probably not real but i think his his stock like a rocket ship going upward uh is is yes that is for real all right colin the last segment here for the night our weekly start sits um, we, uh, as we talked about last week, we're going to be taking 10 names each, 10 starts, 10 sits. We don't tell each other beforehand. And then we release them on the show. We are keeping score. So we are tracking how we do each week. And then uh, loser has to do something terrible at the, uh, at the end of the season. I don't know what it is yet. It'll be a lot less bad if I, if it's me, um, it'd be a lot worse <laughs> if it's Colin, um, scoreboard through week one, guys, I went 11 and nine last week. Colin went 13 and six. Uh, if you remember correctly, Colin 
um, took the easiest of names through most of his. So I think we we've corrected that a little bit last this week. And just that's what you uh, think. You might notice uh, I have 20 and Colin only has 19 there, 13 and six. Uh, Colin had Phil Jerkovic as as a, a start last week and he got injured. So we're not going to count that. Um, he only got one fantasy point. Uh, not not Colin's fault there. All right, Colin. So let's get right into the start sets. Uh, do you want to you want to go first on the starts? Give us a name. Um, yeah, yeah, I can okay. go first on the starts here. Um, the first guy that I have on my list here is Austin Jones. A uh, guy who kind of hasn't really done as much as I thought he was going to this year. Um, he's only had 19 carries, surprisingly, but the next RB does have nine. Um, and then Pete had that huge 87-yard touchdown run last week, but really nothing else. Uh, they get Vanderbilt this week. I expect to bounce back. All right. My my first name here, Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, they play uh, at Mer- quarterback at Maryland. They play Illinois. Illinois defense gave up 405 yards passing to Virginia last week. They've really they beat Nebraska and then have lost to UTSA and Virginia. So how bad is Nebraska? That is the million dollar question. Um, so I think Tagovailoa is a start. Uh, he, I mean, he's been good himself. 332 yards, three touchdowns against WVU, and 274 and three against Howard last week. So so fire him up. Um, yeah, my next one here is uh, Sam Hartman, um, quarterback for Wake. Uh, I think that uh, Florida State is bad. Florida State's very bad. Um, they gave up a lot of passing yards to um, Zarek Cooper in Jacksonville State. Uh, I expect him to have uh, Sam Hartman to have a nice week this week. Um, I also put Sam Hartman. I actually I put Sam Hartman and I paired him with Jacory Broberson as one of my answers um, for right. basically for basically the same exact reason. So um, yeah, <laughs> back to you. <laughs> All right, right back to me. Um, we're gonna go with Cameron Harris here. Um, this is one that you know we talked about how Derek King kind of nukes some fantasy value for those guys, but Cameron Harris is the last man standing at running back at this point. Um, Don Cheney's injured. He's going to be out for a couple weeks here, or is it the whole season? Uh, whole season. I think they announced today. Okay. Yep. Um, and Jalen Knighton was, uh, suspended from the team, uh, for off the field stuff. Cameron Harris, the last guy, uh, last guy standing at 18 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown last week, week one, they played against Bama. So that's you pretty much write that one off. Uh, I think he's going to see enough volume and gets, gets into the end zone here and there. That's a good shout. I have my next one here is Zach Charbonnet. Uh, probably music to Collins ears. Fresno uh, gave up 186 yards on the ground to Oregon. I think UCLA will look to run it early and often to keep the Fresno offense as explosive as it is off the field. Um, so I, I would be comfortable starting Zach Charbonnet in most formats this week. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted to put him down, but I thought that would be too obvious because I'm, oh, I'm, I'm just saying I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Charbonnet guy, but yeah, uh, my next one here is Adrian Martinez. Um, Adrian Martinez is basically Nebraska's whole offense. Uh, you know, he struggled in week one there, but you know, from a fantasy perspective, kind of a gold mine. And Oklahoma's D had a hard time with Michael Pratt in week one. Um, I kind of expect that to continue this week. Uh, next name on the list here for me, the aforementioned Danny Gray, wide receiver at SMU. As I said, he is out targeting the other wide receivers in that squad. He's got 15, Roberson 10, Rice 7, uh, 17.2 and 23.9 fantasy points per game this year. Uh, or Sorry, points so far through two weeks. I think he has another big outing this week. And uh, I think yeah, he's, I- a start, he's a start for further notice too. 
I agree. I actually I have Danny Gray on my list as yeah. well. Okay. Um, yeah, they they do spread the ball out a little bit, but I think he's a guy that you can count on. Um, and I think you can count on him moving forward too. Yeah, he's fast as shit. Um, so I guess that's back to me then. Uh, BJ Baylor, running Ooh, back at Oregon. I almost State. put him. I Did almost you? Put okay. Him. All right. Yeah. But um, I was like, I was like, is he? How many people actually have him rostered? So that's yeah. why I didn't go with him. So I think he's definitely a player that should be on your radar. He's assert- inserted himself as a starter at running back for Oregon State. Last week against Hawaii, 18 carries, 171 yards, three touchdowns. I know Hawaii is not the best run- rush defense, but they get Idaho this week. Idaho got crushed by Indiana in week two. Oregon State will probably do the same, albeit maybe at a lesser degree. So I think it's going to be a good game script for him. I think B.J. Baylor, if you have him, uh, is a definite start this week. I agree. I like that one. Uh, my next start is uh, Hendon Hooker. Um, Joe Milton is uh, he's out. He was hurt. I uh, haven't really heard if he's going to be out this week, but he did not finish the game. And Hendon Hooker looked pretty solid as he came on in relief there. Um, he gets a soft matchup this week um, against what's like Tennessee State or, or East Tennessee State or somebody like that. Um and he has some dual threat ability there too. So uh, I like Hendon Hooker a lot this week. Um, I also have Hendon Hooker on mine. Yeah. 188 yards and two in the air, 49 on the ground, Tennessee Tech. If Tennessee Milton Tech. is out, then then wheels up there. So uh, I also had Hooker. Um, my next start is Kevin Marks Jr. running back for Buffalo, which may seem obvious, but they do play Coastal Carolina this week. So some people may get a little scared off by that matchup. That's the toughest team that they're going to play all, all year. Uh, they're a top 20 team. I think they're ranked like 15 right now. But the run D actually is not as good as people think it is. They've given up 100, uh, 198.5 rushing yards per game. Um, and I think that Kevin Marks Jr. Is, is a guy that you shouldn't shy away from just because of this matchup. All right, my next name here, uh, the North Texas wide receivers. So Jair Shorter and Roderick Burns, I think they're both startable this week. Uh, Burns, 25 targets through two games. Shorter now has 16. He had that that off week one, but it looks like they still want to involve him week two. Pass heavy offense, uh, UAB, uh, not a great team overall. Uh, we watched Stetson Bennett torch them last week through the air. Uh, very susceptible to the big play. I think Shorter and Burns both score and both have have a nice day uh, yardage-wise as well. <laughs> um, I will um, jump down my list a little bit here because I have DeAndre Torrey, the running back for North Texas. Um, UAB is not a good team, but their run defense is really where it's what's bad. Um, they gave up 163 yards on the ground to Georgia last week, which – uh, people may not realize how much yardage they gave up just because they spread that out so much. And you didn't really want to start too many of those Georgia running backs last week. But uh, DeAndre Torrey gets a lot of volume. He had 25 carries week one, 16 carries week two. I think you're going to see a lot of him this week. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good shout there. Uh, my next name, Reese White, uh, running back for Coastal Carolina. I am done doubting him. I started him a lot of places, but still had him on a bench or two. He is officially being inserted into all of my lineups, 15 and 27 carries through two weeks, uh, high yards per attempt. He's getting yards after contact. They're using him on the goal line. Uh, not as, They're not even using him as much in the passing game as I thought they would. So if they start to do that, I think it, that, that it's even more value for him there. But uh, he's averaging over 20 fantasy points per week, and I think that continues this week against Buffalo. Uh, my next guy here uh, is Alex Fontenot, running back for Colorado. 
Um, Jarek Broussard left the game last game in the third quarter. He did not come back. Um, if he does not play again or if he gets banged up like he has had a tendency to do throughout his entire career so far, uh, Fontenot's kind of been the next man up ahead of uh, Ashad Clayton. Um, he has 20 carries, uh, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think, you know, Colorado wants to run the ball. Um, Vontae Chenault has also been suspended, I believe. Um, so they're just going to keep continuing to run the rock. And assuming Broussard is out, Fontenot's the guy you want. So I almost put Fontenot, but then I was like, no, because I would never want to roster him. Um, so that's, <laughs> so that's why I did not include him. But I think that's a, that's a, a very reasonable prediction there. Uh, next up for me, uh, Joseph Nada, wide receiver at Clemson. Has been their wide receiver one this year. Eight targets week one, five in a, in a game last week where, uh, quite frankly, they really didn't need to even put their foot on the pedal uh, um, to beat South Carolina State's. So I, I think that he has another big week this week uh, and asserts himself as a wide receiver one at Clemson. Nice. I like that. Um, my This is the last one for me, I believe. This is number 10. Um, Josh Kelly, wide receiver for Fresno. Uh, everybody likes Jalen Cropper, obviously. Uh, but Josh Kelly is actually the leading wide receiver uh, for the team. He has at least 50 yards in each game, including a nice 100-yard game last week. Uh, UCLA gives up the ninth most pass yards, but the ninth fewest rushing yards. Uh, so I think he's going to have a big day. I, uh, another guy that actually is in my, my, uh, article this week, uh, as a, as a waiver, probably watch list guy, but yes, definitely something to look out for. Uh, my last name here, this is going to be a bit of a bold one, kind of like I did last week, Travion Henderson. I think is startable this week for Ohio state. And here's why game. The game is against Tulsa. Tulsa is really not a very good team. I'm not predicting necessarily that he's the starter, but I think the game script combined with the flashes that he has shown the past few weeks, he can, he can score you some points on, on not a lot of touches. I think he's going to get more touches this week than he has. And so I think that he is a startable option. I think he's the highest scoring Buckeye running back this week. Oof, I like that. I like that. So a little bit hot to hear. All right. So let's, as we did last week, Colin, if you can just say your 10 names here real quick so everybody has them in one place, and then we'll move on to our sits. Yeah, we got Austin Jones, Sam Hartman, Cameron Harris, Adrian Martinez, Hendon Hooker, Kevin Marks, Alex Fontenot, Danny Gray, DeAndre Torrey, and Josh Kelly. All right. And mine again here, guys, uh, Talia Tagovailoa, Zach Charbonnet, Danny Gray, BJ Baylor, uh, Joe Ngata, uh, North Texas wide receivers, uh, Sam Hartman and Corey Roberson duo, Reese White, Travion Henderson, and Hendon Hooker. All righty, sits. I thought the sits were easier this week than the starts. Uh, personally, I don't know about you, Colin, while I was making my list. but um, um, I think they were both kind of tough. But I'll let you kick this one off. Okay, I'll start here first. Uh, number 10, Jameer Gibbs. I am not starting Jameer Gibbs this week. Clemson has a pretty tough defense there. I think they'll be tra trailing most of the game. And while Gibbs has had a solid floor, the ceiling just isn't there. And so if, if, if he's a floor play and he's playing a, an extremely tough defense, I, I don't know what you expect from him. So I, I'm going to fade Jameer Gibbs this week, sadly. Right back to you because I have Jameer Gibbs on my list as well. Um, mm -hmm. He has not scored a rushing touchdown this year, and I don't necessarily think he gets one this week. All right, number nine, Will Mallory, tight end at Miami. 
dude has just not lived up to the billing this year. Uh, I really just hate the Eric King. Uh, that Miami pass offense has just sucked. Um, he's not gotten the targets. And I know it's tough to sit him because you probably drafted him to be a top starting option and, and tight ends. You know, it's just kind of a questionable position. But I think he's a sit until further notice. I, I am not starting Will Mallory this week unless I just have no other options, which I, I do have one league that's like that. Yeah, that's fair. Tight end gets pretty thin pretty quick. Uh, my next sit here is Dustin Crum. Um, Iowa, uh, he was, uh, Dustin Crum was a start for me last week, and he barely he, he did not have a very good performance. 12 for 17 for 180 and a touchdown against VMI. He gets Iowa this week. Very, very good defense. They force a lot of turnovers. Um, I'm not starting him this week. I have Crum as well, so right back to you there. <laughs> um, a next sit for me is Caleb Ellaby. Um, he gets Pitt's defense. It's a tough defense this year. It's a defense that limited uh, Josh Heupel's offense to 238 yards passing last week. Um, Caleb Ellaby's only thrown for 51 for he threw for 51 for 15 for 21 for 174 yards and a touchdown last week against Illinois State. Uh, as long as Sky Moore keeps struggling, uh, Caleb Ellaby's probably going to be a sit for me. I actually kind of disagree. I don't think Pitt's defense is overly good. I mean, he's not at the top of my start list, but um, I don't think he's in a void necessarily. Uh, I mean, hook, hook. If Milton was good, that ten- Tennessee would have had like a 14 a, a point lead at halftime. He missed some wide open guys running downfield. I don't think LB will quite do that. Now, will the, the Western Michigan receivers be running as wide open downfield? I don't know, but just my two cents on that one. Uh, Michael Penix is my next name here. Uh, listen up guys. He's sucked through two weeks. He's been t- trash. He was terrible against Iowa last week, 11 for 16 for 68 yards. Um, they play Cincy this week that that's not a great matchup for him. And so I, he, he's, he should be on your bench. And honestly, if he puts up another week or two like this, I think he's borderline droppable. I, I really, really do. I, cause if he's performing like this, there, there's no NFL upside there. Yeah, he was a big stock down for me last week, so I agree with you there. Um, my next uh, my next sit here is a little bit bold, I think, just given the way that he's had his first two games. Uh, it's Harrison Whaley, uh, running back for NIU. Uh, two big games, like I said, he went 26 for 179 and two, and then 27 for 141 and one. He's been the focal point of that offense, but they get Michigan this week. And Michigan knows he's the focal point of that offense. Uh, Michigan's only allowed 84.5 yards rushing uh, per game against two decent opponents in Western Michigan um, and Washington, although Washington's offense has been kind of terrible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting Whaley this week. All right. My next one here, all of the Texas A&M pass catchers. That means Ania Smith. That means Jalen Weidermeyer, all of them, uh, because Zach Calzada is bad at football. He is not a good player. He looked terrible against uh colorado that's last week they were lucky to win that game uh they play new mexico who is a bad team but they're way worse than colorado and they're so bad that i think that they're just likely to run the ball i think with a week of preparation there um that they'll, they'll just give it to spiller Achain on the ground there uh, quite a bit and so i'm sitting all of my texas a&m pass catchers this week and i'm sitting zach calzada too but like if you had him on your team and you were you're not counting starting. on him you're you're totally lost <laughs> this might not um, be for you <laughs> my uh my next start also i think maybe a little bit bold here it's uh letty brown uh running back west virginia um you know he's had the work he's at the volume but he's not been efficient this year uh 32 carries for 104 yards and four touchdowns on the year 
Um, six catches for 56 and one. It's kind of been redeeming his value a little bit here, but it gets Virginia Tech this week. Virginia Tech's been a pretty stout defense. Um, so this one could make me look dumb, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting Letty Brown. Uh, next up for me, Zay Flowers, wide receiver for Boston College. Um, Jerkovic, uh, Phil Jerkovic, quarterback there for Boston College, out for the season with an injury. Uh, Zay Flowers left that game as well this week, came back late. Um, but it, with no Jerkovic there, I need to see how that offense works. So he is benched uh, until further notice. Yeah, I have, I have uh, Zay Flowers as well for the exact same reasons. Right back what they say you. about great minds. Um, next up... <laughs> Is this cheating? Traylon Burks, I, I'm sitting him again this week, and I know that this is this. These are the games that you drafted Traylon Burks for. Like I, I, I completely get it. Um, yeah, they play uh, Georgia Southern this week, but I'm just not starting him. I don't trust KJ Jefferson. It, it's not a Traylon Burks issue. It's a KJ Jefferson, and the fact that they're so good running the ball that they just don't need to pass it. Um, so I'm sitting Traylon Burks, which might be slightly bold, just like I said, because of the opponent. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's cheating. Um, I think because of the opponent, um, it's that's a pretty solid call. Uh, my next sit here is Jerry and Ely. Um, he really has not. They've really divvied the backfield work up there at, at Old Miss a lot. Uh, he has 16 carries on the year for 85 yards and a touchdown. Another five catches for 77 yards, which has kind of helped him out. But Henry Parrish Jr. has just as many carries. He also has 16. Snoop Connor has 13 carries. Um, so they really divvy that work up and Tulane, you know, they're decent. They, they've only allowed 83 yards rushing. Um, but I think that they're going to be susceptible through the air. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting Jerry on Ely this week. Uh, a, a good shout there. Next up for me, Greg Bell running back at, Sa at, um, um, San Diego state university. Uh, he's had, he's, he's a big CFF guy. Uh, San Diego state likes to run the ball, but last week, Utah, who is their opponent this week held Tyler Algier, mostly in check, 27 carries, 97 yards. So not a very efficient performance. Um, I think Utah is going to be uh, a hungry team. I th and I think this is going to be fairly low scoring, but Utah will be ahead. And so it'll be tough to, uh, really establish that run there. And so I think Greg Bell is a sit this week, especially relative to what you generally expect out of him i like that one uh, my next sit here is uh devonta price uh running back fiu um he's had two really nice weeks so far this year but texas techs had a pretty stout run defense um you know they had a cupcake last week in Stephen f austin but they only let up 77 yards to houston they're only allowing 38 yards per game on the ground um so i'm gonna sit devonta price uh, that is a good one there. My next one, Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver Ole Miss. I think people are going to be very tempted to start him after his big week last week. Um, he's just inconsistent, guys, and I think it's really tough uh, for me to advocate starting him. Uh, he only has, what, one, two, three, four games total in his career over 50 yards. One of them happened to be last week where he caught seven for 99 and two. Um, I just don't, I, I, I see the appeal there. You're thinking, oh, okay. Like now we, now we're, we're cooking here a little bit. Jonathan Mingo is living up to expectations. Um, I, I'm still not starting him this week and I have a lot of Jonathan Mingo. Yeah. I like that one too. Um, Dontario Drummond seems to be probably be the guy that you want there in that one. Uh, my next sit here is Siobhan Cordero quarterback for Hawaii. Um, he's had some good passing yardage totals, uh, 891 yards passing on the year, but six touchdowns to five interceptions. He really has not taken care of the ball that well. 
Um, he brings a little bit on the ground, which is nice, but he gets San Jose State this week. And I know USC kind of carved them up, but they're still a good defense. They still have a pretty good secondary. Um, and with the way Cordero has been turning the ball over, um, I'm avoiding him this week. My last one here. <laughs> I think I'm a glutton for punishment. Is Jermaine Burton, wide receiver, Georgia. <laughs> Last week was good process, no matter what happened there. he Georgia went on this weird tear for anybody who didn't watch the game. where uh, JT Daniels has rolled out. Stetson Benton started. They scored. They had thrown five passes, like entering the second quarter. Four of them had gone for touchdowns. For the most 245 bizarre, yards. Yes, like they were a long touchdowns. But like it, it was bizarre. I, I've never seen anything like it. Arian Smith had a touchdown. Brock Bowers had a touchdown. Jermaine Burton had a touchdown. Like it was was bonkers beyond that catch he only went two for 20 like the volume was not there at all for him he only, he only had three catches just happened to get that one in that freak area uh, and score um so i i still they have not said whether jt daniels is back again this week or not south carolina is the opponent i'm thinking that that regardless i think they wanted to run it last week <clears throat> but they were just like they, they scored on these four pass plays like it's extremely difficult to take anything from whatever happened. I don't know what happened. I literally have no idea what happened in that game, but I'm, I'm sitting Jermaine Burton again this week. I, I really, really am. I think that's a good call. I think you're right. It was a good process last week. Uh, my final sit here is the Utah running backs. Um, Micah Bernard had a big week last week. He went 12 for 146 and one four for 18 through the air. Uh, week one, Tavian Thomas had the big week 12 for 107 and two. Um, I don't really know which one of them is going to get the work. I think it's probably going to be Bernard, but I don't think Thomas goes away like we talked about earlier. And San Diego State's only allowing 48.5 rush yards per game. Um, so I don't trust either of them at this point. With an asterisk because they played Arizona one week. But yes, I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's give our, our 10 sits here, Colin. Again, all in one place, go ahead. I got Dustin Crum, Caleb Ellaby, Harrison Whaley. Letty Brown, Jameer Gibbs, Jerry and Ely, Zay Flowers, Devonta Price, Shafan Cordero, and the Utah RBs. And All I right. feel much worse about this list than I did last week. So you're welcome, everybody, for stepping outside my comfort zone a little bit. Thanks, Colin. That's all we ever really wanted. Yeah, a little bit you know, Get away from the chicken nuggets. Get away from the, you know, so that, the, the, your list last week was the chicken nuggets of, of start sit. So, um, <laughs> uh, so my 10 here, Jameer Gibbs, Will Mallory, Michael Penix, all of the Texas A&M pass catchers, Zay Flowers, Traylon Burks, Jonathan Mingo, Dustin Crum, Greg Bell, and Jermaine Burton. So we will be checking in. We will have the scoreboard updated for you next week, and we will see if I can catch up a little bit here to Colin. Uh, that is the show, though, for tonight, guys. Um, thank, thanks again here for joining us. If you have not checked out the website yet, campusdecanton.com, please do so. Uh, so much uh, stuff going on over there. We've got Weekly waivers, stock up, stock down, Devi roundup. Um, we, we've got our, our DFS and betting content as well. We're writing multiple articles for those every week, uh, really helping out with those. We've partnered with Prize Picks. If you sign up there with them, promo code C2C. Uh, first time depositors get a match of their money up to $100. And you get a free membership to the website. We talk about it all the time here. A lot of value added. You get it all for free if you if you uh, deposit at least $20 there. Um, and uh, the website costs 30 bucks for a year membership. So you're saving yourself 10 bucks right there. Um, so you can get in and check out what that's all about. Um, 
so so yeah uh, check out all of those things uh and the other podcasts of course guys um debbie debates uh, alfred's why wait till sunday um and the fantasy football roundtable which is really kicking into gear i believe they have four shows a week now they have like a waiver show weekly wrap-up they, they do a weekly preview they have a ton of stuff going on there so check them out as well um but as always guys until next time i am austin and this is colin and have a good one <laughs>